This is the Agile Thoughts Podcast, and I'm Lance Kine. Hi, I'm Brian Fenster. I've been a software developer for over 20 years, and I know from a personal experience that continuous delivery makes developers' lives better, and I'm on a mission to help every developer live better lives, and I think everyone else should be too. So I really think people should dig into understanding what continuous delivery is, how to get it from idea to end user and get feedback as rapidly as possible to increase the quality and allow people to sleep better at night, especially developers. I've carried a pager for a long time. Nobody should wake up in the middle of the night. CD allows us to sleep. This is a continuing episode with Brian Finster about contract testing. On episode 122 is when we kicked off this series. Go to the show archive to find it. I'm, I'm interested in this one. There was a comment Brian made to me. He said, yes, there are tests to test tests. So, Brian, what's this crazy talk, man? Test to test tests? Well, and I touched on that a little bit. Is that if I'm doing integration testing, and again, the definition we're using is Martin Fowler's definition, where it's testing against a double, not testing against live dependency. That would be an end-to-end test. Okay? So... If I'm testing against a test double, I have to constantly validate my test double. Anytime I have a mock, I have to have a test to test my mock. Okay? And so, yes, you have to have assurance that what you're testing with is real. So, yes, should I use mocks? Yes, you should minimize the use of mocks. You should use them judiciously. But if you have a non-deterministic test, you have to use a mock to make it deterministic. But you have to have a test to test the test. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and you mentioned that earlier, and, and I'm glad we hit it again because uh, I, at the time, I didn't want to break our flow. I'm thinking of a build pipeline, and you mentioned mm-hmm. something. You said, you know, I test my mocks not continuously against mm-hmm. the real service. So what do, you, what do you do in real life when you test your mocks? So I'd stand up a scheduled job to run a test daily or weekly, you know, depending on the volatility of the dependency. Yeah. And the way I do it, actually, is because I'm using environment settings to, for my tests, I use the same test. It's just in one environment, in my pipeline, it's testing it's the virtual service. In the other environment, it's testing it's the live service, but it's using the same test code. And this is critical, again, because if you have two reports reporting the same thing, one of them is wrong. <laughs> Okay, so you want to use the same test code with different configuration for the different kind of test. Yeah, so it's the same. It's the same test code, but pointed now at the real service rather than the virtual service to confirm yes. that the test behaves the same way. All right. Yes. Nice. By the way, a lot of this uh, mocking and contract test, well, not about contract testing, but mocking is a survival mechanism because, for example, if you ever work with an external party and you want to keep hitting their API every time you run your continuous integration environment, yeah. <laughs> they're probably going to block your IP. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the first examples I put together for uh, showing people this was I, I stood up Montebank. And with uh, Montebank is a, a tool that you can use. It's open source, but it, uh, for virtual services, but it has record and replay ability. Oh. And I pointed it at GitHub's external API. 
And I actually showed this as an example where I could just hammer that API and they shut me down. <laughs> right? Nice. And just and say, now you have to wait five minutes where you can hit this again. I said, but now I've got Montebank and I can send millions of requests to Montebank and get the same sort of confidence. <laughs> Pretty soon it, gets a, it looks like a DOS attack <laughs> to them and they have to shut you down. Yeah. So what about versioning APIs? Any concerns there? I, I think people um, sometimes leave that as an afterthought. Another core concept, if you're going to be a provider that's working in my company that I'm consuming information from and you randomly break your contract, we're going to have a heart-to-heart conversation over Zoom before I would come and sit at your <laughs> desk and have a heart-to-heart conversation with you about being friendly to your customers. APIs, you know, you should avoid versioning whenever possible. You should do changes in an evolutionary way, right? But eventually you're going to have some cruft there from evolutionary change, and you're going to have to version. Well, you should just plan for that. You know, just create version, you know, a path of V1 from day one, and hopefully you never have to go to V2. Okay. Plan for it. And and something else I see questions about all the time is people confusing application version with API version. And those are two separate concerns. The API could be version one. You can be on application version, you know, 12. Yeah. It doesn't matter, right? It's right. like you're, you're, you're versioning every single deploy, but you're not versioning your API every single deploy. Right. You're just communicating the path of where the, what the schema looks like. Those are two separate concerns. Do people really do that by accident in real life? No, but I, I don't know. Not that they do it by accident, but they're like, how do I make sure my API version is... You don't. Uh, okay. You, you don't, right? You're breaking the path. And it's just that they haven't thought it through. Okay. Yeah, I could kind of see that. That, that That's definitely... Because an application is sort of the private uh, internals of, a, of an API. Yeah. So and, and the people upstream from that producer shouldn't uh, have to worry about it. You know, they may worry about it because they found a bug and they're waiting for something to come out. But, but for the most part, that's that's stuff that you don't want to worry about. It's just it's all about the API. Well, and, and also, uh, and this is kind of related. I've had people ask me because when you're in continuous delivery, you're auto versioning every build. Yeah, there we go. Right, because that's potentially a releasable version, and so if it passes CI, you're dropping it in the artifact repository with the new version number. Right, and they were wanting to know how to change the front end so it would show that version number. I'm like, why does your customer, why does your end user care what the version number of the services? That's that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, it sounds sounds like great advice because yeah, because it's all about API contracts. So uh, yeah. It'd be like worrying about the OS. What the OS is the application running in? Yeah, it's yeah your end user doesn't care what level of the OS is unless it's the end user of the OS. It's TMI, too much information. <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't it be great to develop new features with zero bugs? Deployment to production day doesn't have to be stressful. With some changes, it can be relaxing and just another day at the office. Are you a developer who has heard of test-driven development, but you haven't figured out how to apply it at work? If you have 90 minutes for a live over-the-web class, go to TDD Academy and sign up for my hands-on test-driven development coding Dojo, TDD Academy. 
check out the lovely show notes I have for this episode. There are terms defined, such as virtual service, provider, and consumer. And there's some links to other Agile Thoughts episodes, such as the one on test automation pyramid. The contract testing is a part of that. And there's also episodes on how to do TDD. And as mentioned in this episode, we have a topic on doing BDD in Scaled Agile Framework. So check out the show notes. They show up right in your podcast player, or if you downloaded this from the web, just go back to the page where you downloaded this MP3. Next episode, Brian Finster and I peel back the layers of the onion of contract testing. All right, let's see here. How can I, as a developer, get started with contract testing? 